Hi there, welcome back to What Are You Going to Do With That? The podcast in which I chat with the guests and the researchers of the Minerva Center for the Rule of Law Under Extreme Conditions at the University of Haifa. You're listening to me, Dani, again, a PhD student at the university here, and today's guest is Dr. Maike de Tau. Maike did her BA in Arts Education at the University of Dresden in Germany, and she also holds an MA in Arts and Cultural Mediation from Hildesheim University. Her master thesis dealt with arts and cultural mediation in processes of transformation in post-revolutionary Tunisia. Maike actually is a fresh doctor, and she has just recently finished her PhD. Right? When was that exactly? In December 2019. Very recent. Congratulations. Thank you very much. So you were a PhD student at the UNESCO Chair Cultural Policy for the Arts of Development, also at Hildesheim University. And you focus there on arts and cultural policy in transformation countries. And that is not all. Maike is also a member of the Cultural Innovators Network, the CIN. And the CIN is a Euro-Mediterranean network initiated by the Goethe Institute that advocates social and cultural change through cross-cultural dialogues with the Middle Eastern and North African region. She has worked with international cultural institutions, such as the Institute for Foreign Cultural Relations, the Goethe Institute Pune, if I say that right, yeah, and the Koi International Artists Association, and also the Art Think South Asia. Maika, I have to say, this sounds very different from the usual Minerva guests coming from the field of law, but that makes your work all the more interesting for me. You do have the element of the extreme conditions in your research, though, which is what happens to cultural policy during and after a revolution, so I think you fit in very well. Let me congratulate you again on your new title and pour you my signature drink, which is Amaretto, Italian. I hope you like it. There you go. Yeah. Pour you some. A little bit for you, a little bit for me. There you go. Cheers. Cheers, Danny. Prost. <laughs> Prost. I'd like to ask you a few short questions and then you can try to give me short answers. Are you ready for this? Yes, I am. There we go. What is the first thing you do in the morning? In the morning? Okay. I usually wake up. I'm turning on my mobile phone and then I'm checking my WhatsApp messages or whatever I missed during the night. And then I think I'm getting out of bed and I usually make myself a cup of coffee. Coffee. Yes. That's your drink. All right. Same with me. What is your most used emoji on WhatsApp? Is it a smiley or a sad face? No, or an I think angry it's, it's a smiley that is actually laughing. Yeah, A laughing one? Yeah. All right. So if I would open your phone right now, it would not be a big heart or a puppy face? No, no, I'm not so much into the other smileys. <laughs> <laughs> All right. And then what was the last concert that you've been to? Oh, Okay, um, I went to a concert in Berlin, the city where I live, um, of the artist Ilgen Nur. Is that a German artist? Yes, it's a German artist and she's also, she's very young and I was kind of impressed um, how young she is and what great music she's already doing. So she's a singer-songwriter. A bit of both. Yeah. And would you recommend it to anyone else? Yeah, definitely. What was the yeah. name again? Ilgen Nur. All right, thanks for that. And then what energizes you? Is there any activity you get excited about or food or maybe a person? 
I think I I really love to do cycling. So what I usually do before I go to work, I'm or if I'm on my way to the library or something, I am any weather conditions. I usually use my bicycle to go there, and this really gives me energy in the morning to start my day um, because I like soak some fresh air and. And it's just like moving a bit, so you feel also ready with your mind. And this would be the case in Berlin. That's why you mentioned the weather. Now, the weather in Haifa is usually quite good, but we're also on the mountain. Do you own a bike here? Oh, no. (laughs) In Haifa, I usually rely on the bus system. (laughs) All right. But you must miss the bike then. Yes, I do, definitely. As a Dutch person, I can relate to that. Yeah, sure. (laughs) <laughs> All right. But in, with these mountains, well, I think if you really live here, you can actually manage to go up the mountains with a mountain bike. But for me, it would be quite hard. <laughs> Challenge. Yes. All right. Would you tell me about one thing that's on your bucket list? Here in Israel, I think I still plan to visit the desert. So okay. I haven't been traveling a lot. So I'm still in the mood of exploring the country. And I think the Negev desert is... One thing I definitely still want to do. All right. I think it's a wonderful place. And especially now heading into spring, it will be very beautiful. So you should definitely try that. So let's move on to your work and your research now. Mm -hmm. Could you please tell me a bit more about how you became affiliated with the University of Haifa? Ah, okay. Um, Well, here in Haifa, I'm on a fellowship from my home university, which is called Diedrich Pinning Fellowship. It's actually also for Germany, a really weird name. Uh, but Dietrich Pinning is actually a German sailor that was born in Hildesheim. And okay. he is known for discovering America 19 years before Christopher Columbus did. Okay. So this is the saying, and our university made up this fellowship to um, facilitate international exchange for their staff. So I was really uh, lucky that they are going to. They selected me, and I'm here in Haifa now for two months to build up um, relationships between my home university and the Haifa University, and also to to get to know the cultural scene in Haifa and the cultural policy of Israel. So I was always interested in the in the Middle East. So that's why I actually now choose uh, Israel. So were you able to to choose yourself? You said that this program is for an exchange. So were you able to choose where you were going to go? Yes, because you have to find the partner university by yourself. And actually, I know a professor in Germany that has already worked with the Haifa University. So she recommended me, hey, Michael, why don't you go to Haifa? It's a really nice city. We have really interesting colleagues there so that's actually how I made my choice all right wonderful to hear and how do you like it so far then yeah um, I really like it Um, the city itself it's really cool people are welcoming and the people at the university uh, are very helpful all right and you mentioned that you're going to stay for two months in total yes so you're still connected to the Hildesheim University right what about any of these other um institutes that I mentioned earlier, are you still affiliated with those? Yes, definitely. My I work in Hildesheim at the UNESCO Chair for Cultural Policy for the Arts and Development and also the, the Department for Cultural Policy. And um, my task is actually a little bit different because 
I'm managing a graduate school with two partner universities in Ghana and Nigeria. So that's actually um, the project I am working for and I will continue to work for when I ret return back to Hildesheim in March. Interesting, a very different region again. Mm -hmm. Have you been to Nigeria or Ghana or is that not relevant for the job in particular? Yes, I travel a lot there. It's actually a different region, but the topics are pretty much the same. So we look on issues like what role are artists playing in conflicts, in fragmented societies, in uh, just like, um, maybe just like in conflicts and fragmented societies. Wanted, I always wanted to study something creative, so after I finished school I actually had no really clue what options are there, so I decided to one that was already familiar to me, so it was like arts studying arts education for most properly becoming a teacher. But then actually when I, when I studied it and I finished it, I went to India to work one year at the Goethe Institute. Was that a gap year or was that part of your studies? That was a gap year. It was actually a voluntary service that is supported by the German Foreign Office. And it's called Kulturweit. And they try to encourage young people to go abroad and make experiences in other countries. So It does sound like an experience, one year in India. Yeah, it definitely was. So I was posted to the Goethe Institute in Pune and working with a lot of German students that learned German in India. So we were mainly organizing workshops for them, but also like concerts of German bands or like um, design competitions. It was really a diverse work. So when I reflected um, what, I, what I wanted to study for my MA, I actually decided, okay, I think there can be some more like just becoming a teacher. And I always, uh, actually, I think I learned that I wanted to have this international elements in my, in my future work. So then I was actually searching for MA programs and I found the Masters in Arts and Cultural Mediation in Hildesheim, which is uh, which was at that time really much fitting to the things I wanted to learn. So I decided to apply for it. I actually got invited for an interview, but I was still in India. So I actually I, I wrote them and I told them I cannot be there. So in the end, we arranged a Skype call and. Right at that moment, I was already travel uh, traveling in India. So actually, I was in a tiny beach hut in Goa, having <laughs> my vacation. <laughs> Heavy rain outside because it was oh. monsoon time. And I made this phone call uh, to the German university explaining why I want to study there. So in the end, this phone call was very um, easy. And I think... Um, it just confirmed that this is the right university for me, and right. um, so I went on. So during this gap year, you actually helped with the education, right? You were saying that these Indians were learning German there, and you helped with certain activities also around it. And here yes. you were probably already exposed to the German cultural policy, right? Was that something that you realized at that yeah, point? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. This so that's why you're like, like German oh, foreign cultural policy. Interesting also the topic I, I researched on in my PhD. So that was definitely a connection. 
Right. And you did your BA in education in Dresden. Mm -hmm. And then you moved to Hildesheim, where you found this program, the MA. Is that far away from Dresden? Oh, it's maybe like 300 kilometers. I mean, Dresden is in the eastern part of Germany and Hildesheim is in the northern part of Germany. All right. And was that the first time then that you went to live in a different place, that you moved around? No, because I already moved out from my parents' place, which is in the center of Germany. When I when I started the BA, then I moved to India, I came back, moved to Hildesheim. Now I'm living in, in Berlin, so it's actually... For me, it's like kind of easy to resettle in new new environments. So during your MA thesis, you already focused a little bit on Tunisia mm -hmm. and the cultural policies and how they changed after the revolution. Mm -hmm. um, did you already stay or get to visit Tunisia during your MA or did that only start off with the PhD? Yeah, actually the MA was kind of uh, also the start of the PhD in the end. Um, I actually knew that I wanted to work uh, on German foreign culture policy and international cultural relations in my MA, but I didn't have a like a example. So at that time, I was doing an internship in the IFA Gallery in Berlin, and they just organized an exhibition with artists that were reflecting on the revolution in Tunisia 2010-2011. So that was actually the link, and I got to knew got to know the artist and the curator of the program, and they said, "Okay, we have another a big art festival in Tunisia happening in March 2013, and you're most welcome to join join us there, get to know the ideas, the artists, the projects." So actually, I would say by coincidence, it happened to be Tunisia. But I was also really lucky because it's a it's a really interesting case and the country is very inspiring. So can you tell us a little bit about what it was like to be on the ground in Tunisia and do your field work there? Okay, field work, field research is always a bit challenging in the beginning, but I think you just have to be open and just talk to people as much as you can. So actually, I I arrived there. And I had to, the festival was organized on three weekends, so in three different regions in the country. So the first region was very close to the capital city, um, and it was easy to access. So I... How did you prepare for the trip, okay. for example? So you knew that this festival was going to be over three weekends. For how much time were you going to stay? The first time I was there for four weeks, actually. All right. So I arranged my stay through couch surfing because okay. at that time I didn't have, have money to pay for accommodation because I was just an MA student. And then I think I interviewed uh, six artists for my MA and also the curator of the festival. So I really tried to get to know what is the agenda of the festival makers, what methods they are using, why they're actually using art as a tool in this democratic transformation process and in the end i wrote my ma thesis about it and i discovered like this is not everything uh there is more re research to be done there has to be more yeah and my supervisor um, actually told me michael think about it if you want to dig deeper deeper into this topic you're most welcome to start your phd 
here in Hildesheim University. And apply for a scholarship that I have in mind? Yeah. <laughs> Did he say something like that too? <laughs> yeah, I was. I actually had a little scholarship by the German-French University. They support um, projects, uh, PhD projects, with a mob- mobility fund. So if you want to research in another country, they are supporting uh, your stay there. But I was always working um, a side of my PhD, so in the end I did a part-time PhD. First I worked in, in a gallery in Berlin, then I worked at an arts association in Berlin, and later, like two years after I started my PhD, I also started a position at the university with the, as a coordinator of this graduate school. All right. It sounds like you've always been very independent and getting around to different countries, different universities, different degrees. Um, but sometimes it must have been a struggle, too, because you always am working on the side because there's not always a scholarship. Did you have any family, friends, colleagues or supervisors that you could rely on during all of the work? Yeah, so I think you really need a strong social network that is supporting you. Otherwise, it's really hard because you spend so much time alone in the library, coming up with thoughts. Um, you're actually also sometimes really challenged in a way, like, um, am I getting the right um, outcomes of my my research? Am I so, wasting my time or am I actually doing something right? Yeah, Things sure. Like then how do I earn my money um, to to actually pay for my living? <laughs> right, that's on the side, of course. Yes. On the side. But in the end, yeah, there there are lots of struggles within this PhD um, phase. But I think actually you get stronger and you also get to know more what you want to do and what makes sense for you to do and what things are maybe not necessary. This is so, really something you discover during the process and it's hard to to see it from the outside but actually for yourself as being a person it's a really it's a really great learning this whole research process so it was worth it yes. yeah it was worth it if you have like in the end this uh, book with uh, 300 pages it's just like a, like a big achievement <laughs> it is congratulations again thank you cheers, cheers. <laughs> All right. So you mentioned that there are some struggles involved and there are always challenges in whatever you do, of course, also with any other career. But could you tell us a bit about what was maybe one of the most difficult things you faced during your PhD? Uh, I think the biggest challenge is to narrow down what you really want to do. Because especially in the first two years, you come up with so many ideas. You think, oh... There's another cultural project that is really interesting and I can also take this as an example. But in the end, you actually also have to kill your darlings because you cannot cover everything with a PhD. And this is very hard to make this decision what I really want to um, figure out in my research and what I actually have to leave aside. So for me, this was really uh, maybe the hardest work, a part of really like organizing your time, cancel events with friends in the evening because you know you need to get up 
the next day at 8 or 8 a.m. to be in the library at 9. So this is, of course, a big challenge. But if you see it as a certain period in your life, you can also manage. Like for me, I would say the last year was very tough because I really um, focused on finish the writing. And that means you need to be highly concentrated. You cannot spend so many time with your friends or family. But yeah, I'm now happy that it's over and I would say it was definitely worth it because you also discover yourself in a different way. And how much time did you spend in total on the PhD? In total, I started 2014, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, five years, but I also had a, a gap year in between. I think almost one year I was not working on it because I wasn't sure... Uh, if I'm going to finish the PhD, I was not satisfied with my interviews and everything and with my work situation. But then actually I got the job at the university and at that moment I decided, okay, this job allows you a lot of flexibility. It's possible to do the field research um, during your working time. You don't always have to apply for holiday at your other job. So at that time I decided, okay. Let's let's finish this PhD and then from then on it I think it took me two more years or two so and a half. This one gap year in the middle of the PhD was a bit of a low lower point during yeah, the PhD. Yeah, definitely. It was very but with frustrating. This, I bet. Is the dissertation in English or in German? The dissertation is in English, uh, in German, but I'm trying to make a English article with the results. Because what do you think is the added value of doing it either in your own language, your native language, or in English? Uh, I think it's easier to do it in your native language. And because I also used a lot of uh, German literature, because I was fo fo focusing on the work of German organizations. So actually that's why I used, uh, used German as a language. But in general, I think, especially academia in Germany, needs to publish more in English um, to make the knowledge accessible to the bigger com academic community. So the value would be bigger if you publish it in English, actually. Okay, so that's your next task then. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. All right, um, talking about your successes and your publications... What would you say is your biggest academic achievement? So far, I think my biggest academic achievement is the dissertation. Right, I would the definitely title. say that, yeah. The title and the book, because that's what also people look on in the end. That's right. Fair enough. Yeah. Do you have maybe two important recommendations to someone who's just about to enter your field or is thinking about doing a PhD or postdoc? Um, I think what is important is to really find out what you you are personally interested in. So really try to develop a topic um, that comes from yourself and not from uh, your supervisor or the economic market or job positions you could follow because you really need to work on it for five years or maybe three years if you're really fast, <laughs> but you really need motivation to keep on. So this is important. And the second thing I would advise, find a supervisor that is actually 
giving you most freedom that is possible. So that is really that you are really able to develop the topic like you want and not like someone else is actually imposing on you. But on the other hand, it's also important that the supervisor is supporting you, like taking you to conferences, involving you in panel discussions, or just like connecting you with the academic community. All right. Thanks for the tips. And what is your next project? So my next project is right now happening here in Israel. So I'm trying to get an overview of the situation of artists and cultural policy here in Israel, but also topics of cultural diplomacy or German foreign cultural policy here in the country. So right now I'm actually planning to do three interviews with several art institutions in the country that have been um, developed by artists themselves. So like tomorrow I'm going to do an interview in the Museum on the Scene in Jerusalem. That's an art institution that is uh, focusing on yeah, cultural dialogue between different communities, uh, issues of coexistence. And what I want to find out is how actually um, the arts can contribute to these dialogue, top, dialogue topics here in Israel. Very interesting. And a very different setting again than Tunisia. Yeah, right. But that's also interesting, you know. You can actually shift to another country. The political situation, social situation is very different. Then, the final question, as usual. What are you going to do with that? With a PhD? <laughs> well, the publications of the postdoc. Because how much time is set for the postdoc now? Uh, the postdoc hasn't even started now. I'm just like uh, in the phase of developing a new project. Okay. So right now I have one more year with my contract at the university. And obviously um, I am not sure yet what I'm going to do with a PhD. There are, I think, two options. Either I'm going to stay at the university if I can find um, a good contract there. Or, and that's the good thing because I focus on cultural policy, I can always uh, also shift to the cultural sector and work at a cultural foundation or cultural organization. And to be honest, I still have to make up my mind what I actually want to do. Fair enough, and you still do have that time, so that's yeah. alright. Okay, to wrap up, I'd like to ask you another set of short questions. So here we go. What was the most important conference that you've been to? Or most interesting for different reasons? Okay, maybe uh, the interesting, the most interesting conference I have been to was the International Conference on Cultural Policy Research in Korea. Wow. So that was the first time I was actually presenting my research topic to an international audience. In English? In English, about Germany. And it turned out people in Korea were really keen of getting to know the German system. And we had really interesting 
discussions there. And it's actually a big conference that happens uh, every two years. So after Korea, it was uh, last year in Tallinn, in Estonia. All right. And this year, actually, it's uh, going to take place in Kyoto, in Japan. Are you planning on applying again? Yes, I already applied for it. And fingers crossed that our proposal will be selected because I'm planning to present this time with like five colleagues of mine and we all finished the PhD in Hildesheim. So we uh, handed in a panel proposal and that would be great if we could present our research there all together. Very exciting. I'm keeping my fingers crossed too. <laughs> all right. And then which scholarship was maybe hardest to get? Sometimes you also apply for scholarships and then it just doesn't work yeah, out. Yeah, well, I, I tried to get a scholarship for my whole PhD period, but that didn't work out. I applied at two foundations in Germany. Since then, I think I applied to a lot of travel scholarships for conferences, for field research, or now for uh, Israel. But this actually always went on really easy. Okay, traveling is easier than the whole research. Than the whole research, yeah. How about the postdoc? Um, postdoc, I haven't... Um, but you need a scholarship for that, too. Is that something you're looking into? Yeah, but I still need to need to figure out what sources are there and where actually I could get scholarships. So I'm still in the phase of preparing because I just finished two months ago. So you also, also my mind need to, need to relax a little bit before I come up with new ideas and new plans for my future. All right, good. What do you consider to be your best find? Um, I think one of my findings was what was really eye-opening was that um, international exchange is one of the key moments how art festivals and artistic initiatives actually get developed in many countries. So all the people I interviewed said that this was actually the moment where the idea was transferred into reality or where the idea firstly uh, came up in their mind. And I somehow like this finding because it transfers um, also on a general level to international exchange and something we also um, experience during our lives if we go to another country in many often this intercultural exchange moments are very important to come up with new points of view, new ideas and stuff in personal life but also in professional life. All right, very interesting. So it's something that maybe you had secretly already experienced yourself when you went to India. Yeah, yeah maybe but you're something right. that you now found yeah. in theory and yeah. academically. Yeah, obviously there are many more uh, findings on cultural activism, cultural organizations and cultural policy, but I won't go into details in this uh, podcast. I will refer to my articles to, to read the other findings. Any titles to give us in the meantime then of these articles, yeah. if we want to read them? 
Yes, so one article is called Foreign Cultural Policy in Processes of Transformation, Perceptions of German-Tunisian Cultural Exchange, and it was published 2017 in the NCAT Journal of Cultural Management and Policy, Volume 7. And the next title will be um, my dissertation, which is called Artists as Agents of Change, Okay. Civil Society Engagement and German Foreign Culture Policy. Very nice. Good English title. All right. Then, who has impressed you most with what they have accomplished? Yeah, I think I cannot say that there's one person, but there are like um, a few persons I met in my life. And I think in general, um, that are the ones that would support you in what you're doing. Yeah, I think I like people that support your ideas, that make you curious for new subjects, new countries, and that can be can be a lot of things. Maybe they link you up uh, with uh, an interesting conference or an interesting art project or even an interesting university like here in Haifa. So that is actually... Maybe the answer to this question. All right, good. And then, how do you relax after a hard day of work? Okay. Um, there are certain things I like to do. One is cooking, because I really like um, to cut things, prepare meals, to really have this physical uh, activity after you set the whole day in front of the laptop, just typing or reading. A second thing I do is sports, so I usually go swimming in the evening, which thing I think is really relaxing because you do exercise, then you have like the hot shower afterwards and then you can just drop into your cozy bed. Or the, the last one is also to meet, meet friends, because I think it's really nice to, to talk to them and to just also discuss topics that are not always rela related to your own research in the evening, so it's really important to also switch to other things. Very important, that's right. Okay, so thank you very much for a little talk today, Maike, and as usual, also a thank you to the audience for listening. More episodes will follow soon, so keep an eye on the link where you found this one. Talk to you later! Alright, so you swim a lot, right? But not in Haifa, I suppose. No. <laughs> Are you doing any other sports right now? In Haifa, I actually joined a running group at the beach. So oh, this really? is now um, my plan B because the sea is still too cold. And what do you cook? Any Indian food? Yes. What's your special dish? I like to cook Indian food, but also Italian food, Mediterranean food, all, all kinds of stuff actually. I but should mostly vegetarian. <laughs> oh, vegetarian. That's alright for me. I can still come and visit. Yeah. Take an advice.